This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we look for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Clint, and I'm here with my good friend and pastor, Oren. Uh, Zach is is out today, but uh, he's given us some insight that we'll share, too, as we as we look slacker. at this psalm. He's a slacker. Yeah, he was here earlier to record another podcast that we do, uh, but had to get back to work. Um, and, and Oren is is fresh from from preaching at a, at a funeral, yeah. which I think has some application to Maybe, the, to yeah, the sure, psalm sure, that we're going to sure. read yeah, today and, and look at today. Uh, so we're going to be looking at Psalm 126, and I'm going to go ahead and read it for us before Oren gives us some background. Song, Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then, and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they sang among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We were joyful. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. All right. So if you look at these these verses, you can tell that it's sort of broken into two parts, right? right? You have a pat looking back and then looking to the present mm-hmm. where the people are looking back at a time when God restored their fortunes. We don't know exactly what the circumstances are here, the context, but apparently the people of Israel had faced a hard time. God restored them in some way. And what I what I love about this is how they talk about the nations and themselves and that mm-hmm. the nations noticed God's hand of blessing and said, the Lord has done great things for them. Right. And then the people say, the Lord's done great things for us. Right. So there's like this, this echo almost the people of Israel are, are echoing what the nations are saying about them because God's been good to them. Right. And then you have verse four, five, and six that are talking about their current situation and what they're doing is they're saying, God, in the same way that you restored our fortunes at that time, right. do so now. They're obviously going through some difficult times. Um, they are sowing seeds of tears. So there's a hardship here. They are weeping. They're lamenting. They're repenting. And in that period of time, as their tears are being shed, they're praying for God to, to, bring, to be merciful to them, to, to restore them in some way. Um, we, we, we kind of recognize Israel's history was always their, their spiritual struggles were usually always tied to physical right. hardship, yeah. whether it was disease famine or an, an, an invading exile, army, yeah. exile, there was always an external expression of that internal spiritual hardship that they were facing, or even their, 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 their sin brought this punishment on them. Mm. Whatever the situation is, they're looking to God again in the same way they had before for God to restore them because they know that God is faithful. And that's ultimately what the, the purpose of all this psalm is, is to point back to God's, God's faithfulness. faithfulness. It's yeah. God's hand at work that's going to bring their fortunes back to what it was. was. Yeah, and it... it and I like the the general sense of Psalm 126 because at the end there it talks about re- restoring. It's a prayer to God to restore mm-hmm. their fortunes, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that there's some there's some sort of grieving going on. Yeah. But it's not specific. Right. It doesn't talk about our sins or why we're suffering. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about oppression, which we've seen in some of the other Psalms that we've looked at. Yeah. Oppression is why we're suffering. It's general, mm-hmm. and so it, in in a, in in a sense because it's so general, we can apply it to. Yep a lot of different uh, aspects of our lives and in every one of those aspects, whether our sin is causing us suffering, whether the sin of someone else mm-hmm. towards us is mm-hmm. causing us suffering, whether it could be death of a loved one yeah. uh, or, or anything, we can apply this uh, in general to our lives as well. So I really like how, yeah. how easily, I guess you could say it does that. Um, 
And and for the word fortunes doesn't necessarily mean wealth. Absolutely. It just means peace. It means that 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 shalom and mm-hmm. in Israel. And I think that's what a lot a lot of folks what people today sitting in churches are looking for. It's not as though we want God to make us wealthy. Yeah. But to to restore peace, to give us a, sort of a, a, a steadiness about life, because there obviously there's some uncertainty here that Israel's dealing with, and I think a lot of people deal with that on on a, on a weekly basis as well. Does uh, so the CSB has a little footnote for that term uh, fortunes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the ESV does. I'm sure it does, but it says or return our captives. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's an idea there where at least in some way uh, the people maybe have been taken out yeah. of the land. Well. Yeah, so if you recall the Babylonian exile, not everybody went to Babylon. Yeah. Some of the they, they 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 took the the young people, the young men, the young women that could work in Babylon. The older folks they didn't want them. So a lot of them stayed in in Israel um or in in, in the land. And so that this may be a prayer being expressed from them yeah. for their for their people, people to, to come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, I, I think another thing that stood out to me there because I, I read things like the Negev and there's like a disconnect. Yeah, sure. I'm not a geography major. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not familiar with a lot of uh, uh, Middle Eastern type mm-hmm. ty- typography and stuff. Typography, but uh, so I looked up the Negev mm-hmm. and it's a desert. Yeah, and so for this prayer to for God to restore their fortunes like water courses in the Negev is sort of paradoxical, yeah. right? Yeah. Because there's not a lot of, and I thought, well, maybe there's, it's a desert, an arid land, but water is present there. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, I think they, I, I read something that they get like less than three inches of rain per year, a year yeah. Yeah. in that part of Israel, mm-hmm. Southern Israel. It's very arid, very dry. It's desert. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say that it's always been like this, like that. But I think the, in this Psalm, at least people are pointing to a time when they remember water flowing mm-hmm. freely in that area mm-hmm. and they're saying God do it again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's uh, that sort of uh, background is always really enlightening yeah. to me well you, you watch these videos like with, and you see it in, in Africa where you have this desert land and then during the rainy season mm. all this stuff starts growing the, all these animals return to these these low areas where the water gathers and collects and so <laughs> the, the Negev would have gotten that three inches probably around the same time. Yeah, and it may have been more than that. I'm just saying, I knew it was no, really low. It would have been, it would have been it's for, for a national, for, a, for a, an annual average, it would have been low. Yeah. But there was a period, a rainy season in mm. Israel where all the water would have come from, from the mountains mm. rushing down. It would, have, it would have saturated the ground. It would have brought vegetation and animals, and then it would have dried up again really quickly. And it yeah. stayed arid the, re- the rest of the and year. And there's not much grows there. No, no. Yeah. It's only for a short period of time. Yeah. And so what they're, they're, they're looking at themselves and looking out at the desert going, we're like that desert, but we want to be fruitful land mm. where we can sow seed to grow. Yeah. And so we need you to, 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 um, to, to bring water or to, 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 to restore us like you restore the ground yeah. in that desert land. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also to, you know, perhaps petitioning God, God, we're going to plant these seeds with the only real water they're going to have is the, our tears. Yep. And it makes no sense why these things would grow. Right. But verse six says, he will surely Mm -hmm. come back with shouts of joy, carrying sheaves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the sense that we're going to, we're going to plant, we're going to sow this seed and it's going to be watered by our tears. And it's, it's planted in hope at least, or, or desperation that, but God can make it grow. Yep, that was absolutely. And uh, the the prayer is for joy to be restored. Yeah, right? they don't so, have joy now. Right. 
Yeah, right? but they so want to harvest joy. joy. Yeah. Yeah. So verse five and verse six both talk about joy, but that's always that's framed within weeping and repentance mm-hmm. and lament. So he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. So we're, we're planting seeds of joy. We're asking God to now bring that harvest of joy to us, but it's not going to come without tears, Absolutely. right? And and so much of the Christian life um, is about seeking joy. And so and in many ways, God brings that joy through hardship. Mm-hmm. It's never going to always be easy. There are easy times, certainly, and we should be thankful for those. But sometimes the deepest and most meaningful joy in our lives comes on the other side of of hardship, of struggle. And so that's where lamenting and weeping is so necessary. Um, when we're able to truly be honest with ourselves and and, and uh, the, the spiritual condition we find ourselves in, the physical condition we may find ourselves in, and really lament and weep for where we are, that kind of faith in God, knowing he's going to lead us through it on the other end, brings a harvest of joy. And I think that's where so many Christians are afraid to go. We don't want to live in the desert. Mm-hmm. We want to live in the fruitful area. I'm not the area, but the the the, the well-watered yeah. land. That's just not reality. We yeah. have to go through these desert times to have that, that joy on the other side. And I certainly think from a New Testament perspective, the promise of God is is deliverance, not from your physical yeah. uh, uh, situation, mm-hmm. But a spiritual deliverance, even in, in yeah. that physical yeah. situation. So, in the Old Testament, and you mentioned this, we see a connection between a physical salvation, as we see that typifying a spiritual salvation yeah. Yeah. for Israel. Yeah. In the New Testament, we see less of that. I mean, we certainly see miracles of Jesus, and we, and, but we don't get the promises of a physical right. salvation yet. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's a coming realization, yeah. right? Yeah. But we, what we see in the meantime is a greater spiritual salvation. Mm-hmm. And so the work that Jesus did in his ministry and the work that the disciples did in the church age was more about the spiritual salvation of people mm-hmm. despite their physical their need for physical right. salvation. Right, right. It was almost like God's gift to them was uh, eternal life and, and and salvation from their sin and death and the devil. Uh, but a lot of times their physical situations mm-hmm. got worse yeah. um, or, or they certainly didn't get better. Well, um, imagine if you were a grandfather and your son and grandson and granddaughters were all taken to Babylon. Yeah. And you were never going to see them. You were, you were going to die before they came back. Mm. What would you be praying for every day, right? You'd be pleading for them to return home. Yeah. And so this was a heartfelt desire to see their families again that had been ripped from their hands and mm. taken away. And and so there's nothing wrong with praying for them. We should Absolutely. be praying for those Absolutely. things, right? But that those prayers are going to be prayed with weeping more than than smiles and happiness because you you long to have that restored. So I think about parents who have wayward children who mm. have drifted from the church, drifted from the Lord. They're living in sin, that, that prodigal son story. Yeah. And they're pleading with God, bring them back, bring them back. That's going that I'm not, I'm not going to say that's going to happen in every case. Right. But if it does and when it does, it will be through the weeping. Right. You know? And any parent that loves their children are going to lament their their the loss that they feel when their children drift from from God, and so that that comes with lots of of, of prayerful nights and tears. Yeah. And then when God restores that and brings that them back to the church, back to faith, which does happen many times, there's a joy that comes from that. It's a harvest of joy yeah. because you see what God's done. Mom and dad couldn't have done it. Mm. Only God could have done this. And so I think this brings us back to the the reality. Really what we see in all of these psalms is that 
at the heartbeat of all this is God's faithfulness. Right. They're calling out to God because they know God is faithful to do these things. And he's the only one that can. Whereas um, if they believe they could do it themselves, that's probably what they would have done. But because they know only God can do this for us, they're going to God with this prayer, with this song, remembering his faithfulness in the past and looking to the future going, God, I know you're faithful still. Restore our fortunes and what we're asking you to do for us now. Yeah. And I think as much lamenting as we hear in the church today, in our society today, um, wanting, wanting to have peace, wanting to have prosperity, wanting to have joy in our lives, I don't hear as the same kind of lamenting here. In, in right. the church today that, that we've seen Israel kind of doing here in, in Psalm 126. I think for wisdom's sake, maybe we should return to some of this for the sake of our families and our churches today. Um, I think God would, would answer those prayers yeah. if we're willing to, to, to pray them with the, with the proper perspective. Yeah, I think at least in the micro sense that this happens because Christians— and that, and that was Zach's point when we, were, when we were texting. He said, you know, this psalm gives me great comfort because— I know what I'm experience, what I, how I experience my own sinfulness. Yeah. He like he laments it. Yeah. He does. He in there. He said there is in a sense where it is a heaviness, mm-hmm. a weightiness to the way I feel about my own sin. So I need the hope of this psalm yep. uh, preached to me mm-hmm. that God uh, views me now as if I've He's restored my fortunes mm-hmm. because of Jesus. Yeah, and uh, He I, and I can carry my sheaves and I can um, sow joy. I uh, reap joy. Because I because I have that heaviness, mm-hmm. and but the reality is not always match the the way I'm feeling. Exactly, the spiritual reality doesn't always match the physical reality. Mm-hmm. He said, "So I love the promises of these psalms." So I think, at least in some sense, that happens more in the church that personal uh, aspect. But I, I agree with you. I don't see the corporate aspect right. of of that. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like. Uh, we as Christians lament our own sin and we, re- we repent of it and we experience the forgiveness and joy that Jesus gives us individually, mm-hmm. but we're not always confident enough or maybe we still feel there's some residual shame mm-hmm. and guilt. We don't always bring that to the corporate publicly, sense. Yeah. yeah, we don't yeah. we do not do those things publicly or even, you know, uh, in, in small groups. Um, and that sort of... Um, keeps us from experiencing. It's not that we don't have the joy of the Lord. It's not that we have, don't have the forgiveness mm-hmm. of God, but we don't experience those things corporately because we don't display them exactly corporately. Yeah. yeah, I think there's an importance to that. I think the fact that they're singing this song out loud together is one way that we can express that. Um, and I believe that if, if it's heartfelt, if nothing more, it'll, it'll bind God's people together a little deeper. Yeah. But I do think God acts when his people come together yeah. to, 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 to pray for these things. And so if we want joy in our lives, to sum all this up, if we want joy in our lives, what does it take? Mm. Well, we're going to have to be honest about where we are and why we don't have joy. Why do we feel that our fortunes have, have left us in some way? Why do we feel the way we feel right now about life? And what we have here is a pattern for prayer and for worship and for fellowship even that we go to a God who we know is faithful and go back to him again with genuine lament and sorrow going, we're going to weep as much as we need to God. We're begging you. We're pleading with you restore our fortunes. And because we know he's faithful because we've shown, he's shown us that in Christ that we are not, if if we are in Christ, we are not lost. We may feel lost. Mm -hmm. We're not lost. He knows right where we are. It's going back to Jesus, back to that faithfulness in Jesus. And I think in that, in time, God shows us where that joy really is. It's rooted in Christ. Despite our circumstances, there's joy to be had, a harvest of joy for those who who, who, who look to Jesus. Yeah, and I think uh, it's important to realize that we 
it's not as if Jesus, it's not as if God in Jesus is waiting for us to do these things before he right. shows his faithfulness. Yeah, right. yeah. He has shown us his faithfulness mm-hmm. in Christ. We go back and we read the cross. We, mm-hmm. we know the resurrection is here. We, as in a better sense than the psalmist here even, mm-hmm. have the realization that um, Jesus is pouring out his faithfulness and pouring out his graciousness um, even before we come. Mm-hmm. So, but we, so we have that assurance that when we come, we will receive it. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the promise we hold out to those who aren't even in Christ yet, right? Knowing that, hey, you're not even in Christ, but you can be assured that when you come, this is what you experience. Yeah, you get joy, yeah, amen. Yeah, this is what you experience. Praise God. All right, and so in, uh, until we experience that uh, uh, reality uh, in our corporate lives and even in our own lives, I pray that God would help us to turn our eyes to Jesus even now, even among the the uh, sowing of tears and the sadness. Amen. Amen.